Welcome to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today we have a legend. I'm actually excited about this show. I get excited about most of my shows because sometimes they're friends of mine. Uh, today is, uh, we're, we're not, he's friend in my head. I feel like I've known him forever. We feel like we have all known him forever. None other than Mr. Damon John. How you feeling today? What's up? I am amazing. I'm here with you, brother. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. I right, listen. I'm sorry. This wasn't by choice. I was kind of yeah. I was. Bur- uh, do- <laughs> I was gathering on my team, and I, we we rented a space, and I'm like, oh, I I think okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right. I mean, I, I'm I'm not knocking it. I like I like her too. Is that is that that's Madonna, right? Uh, I, you know, I think I don't know if it's Marilyn or Madonna. Oh, you know what? It's Madonna. You know what? I I am dyslexic, but the room says the Madonna room. <laughs> okay, so, so, so there yeah. you go. Well, she she's changed a lot. I'll leave it at that. So my show is unique and say that we we uh, we start each one of our episodes by having our guests walk us through the arc of their careers. So talk to us about the arc of your career, because people just think that you showed up on Shark Tank and you just wound up with FUBU. So talk to us about the arc of your career from FUBU to Shark Tank and what got you started in fashion and later inspired where you are today. Ooh, all right. Let me try to make this quick. I need to do it within two minutes. Um. Grew up in New York City, new emerging music coming out of the Bronx. This is the 50th anniversary of it. I call it our, our version of social media. We didn't know what was happening to other people like us or the kids. We didn't see it in the six o'clock news, what was going on in the streets of Kentucky or Compton. But through this music, the kids who did not have to sing or, or uh, play an instrument anymore were communicating about their voices in the streets. And I loved it. Um, came with a way to walk, talk, and even dress. But my, my parents would get divorced when I was 10. I would never see or speak to my father ever again. But I, I, I love this music, Only Child. Right around 20 years old, uh, I was so, uh, in, you know, so just fascinated by this music. I started to hear designers. We don't make things for African-Americans. We don't make things for hip-hop kids. We don't make things for whatever the case may be. It was taking our money and saying, we don't like you. 1989, Good Friday. Uh, the night before, I would that I would make a couple of hats in my living room, I'd stand on the corner, and I would sell eight hundred dollars worth of hats. Nineteen eighty nine, Good Friday, in one hour, I realized that I, my destiny was in my own hands, and I'm going to create my own company. I'm never going to work for anybody ever again the rest of my life. I worked for Red Lobster five years after that. Another story, but um, opened and closed Fubu three times from eighty nine to ninety two. I ran out of capital, ran out of cash. Found three friends of mine who said, let's all do this together. We're not going to let you fail. Uh, had no money. Put one or two, about, about 10 shirts in videos for two years, literally. And I would take them back, put them in the video, take them back, put them in the video. I kind of knew the rapping of their friends. By 1997, we were doing $400 million globally. Um, I would uh, build that company and run it um, and keep it still till today. Started to acquire other companies, Coogee, Drunken Monkey, um, Etonic Sneakers. Started to acquire a bunch of other companies to uh, diversify my portfolio. Uh, 2007, nobody, nobody's buying any uh, um, clothes and they can't pay their rent. I go on to a show, a stupid show that they said, come on the show, but I want to diversify my portfolio. I want to get pitched other things. Wait a minute. The show tells me I can't do any other show, but I was way away. I got three uh, girls I'm managing. They're opening up a clothing store in L.A. I need to be on their cable show three separate times, nine minutes apiece. Can't do any other show, but I was sorry, Mr. Bird, not have to pass. Get a call from a, a book agent, not even my agent. I heard you gave up a show on ABC for three girls named the Kardashians that nobody will ever hear of. 
two days later, Kardashians called me up. Damon, the producer, we don't think you hit our target audience. Uh, we don't want you on the show anymore. You're fired. One hour later, Mark Burnett calls up. So I heard <laughs> you're available. Chloe Kardashian found out I was going to turn down the show because I was co-managing the girl. She fired me. She said, the world needs to know who I am. She'll never get in my way. 15 years later, I mean, 14 years later, I'm on this amazing show realizing that it's the number one show on TV, watch parents and kids together, the number one show on TV marketed to adults, watch kids five to 15, the number one show uh, played in schools. And, um, and God is good. And uh, I am, I'm here and I get to invest in other people's dreams who are going to be bigger and better than Damon John ever will be. I hope there's a 12 year old who's going to be bigger and better watching that show than I ever will be. That's an interesting antidote about Chloe. I don't think I ever knew that. Um, but that's a that is a very interesting antidote. So, and, and that shows you that she is a visionary. I mean, that and that's impressive. One of the things I wanted to talk about your connection with hip hop is and I don't know if many people know this, but um, LL Cool J in a Gap commercial. I don't know if you're allowed to talk about this or not, but again. Yeah, he he LL Cool J was going into this Gap commercial and he was able to freestyle in the Gap commercial. And in that Gap commercial, he rhymed for us, by us, actually wearing FUBU, if anybody was paying attention. How did that happen? How did you build that relationship with LL? Did you ask him to do this? What's the backstory to that? And what did that commercial actually do for FUBU the brand? I grew up in Hollis, Queens, and I don't know if there's something in the water of Hollis, Queens, but in this square five miles, there's LL Cool J, Salt and Pepper, Run DMC, Lost Boys, Tribe Called Quest, Ja Rule, Onyx, Intro, 50 Cent, uh, some of the Fat Boys. And we, I, I grew up watching these men. And I was on tours. I was on the first Fresh Fest tour as a roadie pushing speakers. And you know who was on? We were 16 years old. It was me, another kid who said he was going to be good in music, another kid who said he was going to be good in videos, another one of our friends who was a big drug, who said he was going to be a big drug, drug dealer. Me, Hype Williams, Irv Gotti. The drug dealer did become a big drug dealer and Hype made a movie called Belly about him and he just got home after 30 years. I was on these road, I was just a roadie hanging out. We knew Ella, we didn't know him that well. Um, but when we started to do FUBU, he said he'd wear our clothes and we kind of did a little deal with him. But this comes back to a bigger story. You know, when the Gap called him up, he felt someone insulted the way the conversation went. They didn't care about who he was. They were like, yeah, LL, whoever your name is, hip hop's growing, I'm white. My daughter's 16 years old and white. She's running around the house talking about fight the power and F the police. So I guess hip hop's for everybody. Just come on and shoot the ad. He comes and he says, hey, I got a custom made hat because I got a funny shaped head. Remember, LO would never take his hat off at the time. It's, he yes. said, can I wear that? They said, can I wear it for the old school cats? They said, can I, uh, you know, who knew that? He said, can I wear that? I said, yeah, whatever. Just come on in. He puts for us bias on the low in the video. There's no idiot. There's no social media. There's no way to contact the gap. The Gap spends five weeks airing this thing and $30 million. They found out they spent $30 million on a, on a FUBU ad. They fire everybody from the Gap. But I'm, I got a bigger point here. They hired a multicultural agency, said, we need to clean all this crap up, do a spin on it. You know what they said? What? Hey, yo, I'm in the hood. You need to do your analytics. Cats are talking about going to the Gap to look for some FUBU. They do their analytics. The target market they were trying to hit increased 300% because kids thought they can get food with the gap. They called us up. We gave each other big old sloppy wood kiss and they re-ran another $60 million worth of that ad. But the, but the core to that is a couple of things. 
they didn't have anybody in their company that looked or thought like the people they served. Correct. So they missed it. They missed it. Now they recovered in some sense, but that, listen, you know what? It's a big story. You know, everybody wants to say we need to correct what's going on in society because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, true, but it's the most profitable thing to do as well. You know, I don't know if a bunch of white males can make a, a good hair product for a, a, a black woman. I don't know if a bunch of black males can make a good product for an African-American woman. When you look like the people and think like the people you serve, you make more profit and more money. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. So let me ask you this, leads into my next question. Some uh, folks may not know you from FUBU. Some folks may not only know you from Shark Tank. But I think the benefit of Shark Tank is that it gives you a somewhat realistic view into a pitch and what entrepreneur look, entrepreneurship looks like. And you see a lot of Black entrepreneurs on the show. Talk about how we, and what I mean we, I mean the whole ecosystem of we, government, people, people who care about Black entrepreneurship. What, what can we do to support Black entrepreneurs? Well, we need to, as entrepreneurs think, we need to know where does the problem arise from, because usually an entrepreneur comes with a problem and says, there's a problem that exists, it's keeping people up at night. I think somebody is going to solve it, but they don't, they're not solving it. I'm going to solve it. So what does government need to do? Well, there needs to be more funding, but there needs to be more, ed- we'll get to a little Damon Lee's earn, but there needs to be more education about finance and what money is, because our parents have not come normally from legacy wealth. We don't have a grandfather and grandmother to teach us legacy wealth. You know, only till the late 60s were we able to even get insurance other than burial insurance. And we weren't able to pass that down for generational wealth. Um, So that's number one. Uh, If you understand the systemic, and we understand there's a lot of systemic things that have happened in the past. If you understand that, though, when you're an employer, here's how to solve the problem. Understand that no two felonies are alike. There may be somebody who's coming in and now they have to fill out this, but they sold a nickel bag of weed and got 10 years or five years in jail when somebody else got a slap on the wrist. And now they can actually open a cannabis store and this person can't. And to understand, to think about a little bit more further into that. Now, how do you do that? Do not go out and not be genuine because you will have an African-American challenge today. Tomorrow will be LGBTQ. The next day it will be veterans. You do not want to not be genuine. The people in your company, though, many of them have had boots on the ground for many, many years and worked in organizations. Your companies, your people first can tell you what they've been doing, give you authentic ways to educate yourself and help people. There's no one answer to it. I even have to be honest, you know, before the pandemic happened, I I was given interns a lot of opportunity. I'm in the middle of Manhattan. I want to source from the best schools. I turned around when the pandemic happened, I realized, because most of my uh, team has started as interns, I turned around and realized I had 18 interns that didn't look like me and only two that looked like me because I was sourcing for NYU and Columbia. Wait a minute, I'm becoming the thing I'm fighting against. Why am I not sourcing from Queens College? Because 
the brothers, they may not, they're way more brilliant people in a lot of different places. They may not have the opportunity. I have to be very intentional about systemic solutions. Mm-hmm. Mm. What's next level success and why did you start it? Well, first of all, another, another one thing we have to say is, Bakari, you know, um, I got to tell you something that is absolutely hideous. Uh, in a sense, you know that I'm the only African-American man on a major network that didn't come from music, sports, or politics. Wow. You know that I've never been highlighted on African-American cover of an African-American magazine. That's terrible. I've sold more ink magazines than anybody in history. So where do we have to look after that? Because there there's a million men and women like me that should be highlighted. But, and don't get me wrong about the African-American magazine. It's, I, I want to qualify that. If you're a music magazine, why am I on there? If you're a sports magazine, why am I on there? But as people who want to correct this change, I want to, know, I want to highlight the Bacardi's of the world. Well, then if you need, you know that Mary J. Blige is going to sell magazines, ask Mary to put behind her the two and three people from her crew, the, the most efficient business people, whether it's her lawyer Maybe they'll put them on the inside cover. Now you can make more money, but Mary will only do it if that people did. If LeBron puts Maverick, if everybody puts those other people on inside and everything. Well, now the kids get to see too, because you know what? I can't dunk a basketball, but there's 10 other careers around that player that I want to look like and I want to be. So that's something that we need to just be vocal about with our amazing uh, talent and leaders, because taking nothing away from the actors. And athletes, they are they are extraordinary, and they have beaten way bigger odds. Um, so, but but wait, you said something else about success. So, what's my 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 whatever? You said something in success, and I want I want to go there with with, with you. Asked. Next level success. Next level, you mean where I'm going next? To what yeah. would be my next? I'm on my three peat, man. Uh, I didn't even tell you to ask me that question. Uh, so, number one, I I, I create a brand that's globally recognized that shows people they can empower themselves. Um, uh, I, uh, I I then got onto a show not realizing it was going to be uh, a show that again and, and showed everybody that no matter what, you bust your ass and you stand on that carpet and you're ready to get up before everybody and go to bed after everybody. And if Damon's dyslexic, got left back, butt can make it, I can make it. That was my second success. My third is this new journey I'm going down and I, I'm starting it with a book. It's not about the book. It's about connecting my, with my little girl, but it's about breaking the system in this country of not teaching our kids financial intelligence at early age of one, two, three, four. I mean, first grade, one, you know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth. And I did it by coming out with a book called Little Damon Learns to Earn. All right, here it goes right here. There literally, there's no book out there like this. There's no book that that I could read to my little girl five and six to show so the concept of what starting a business is and relying on others like her friends and the gifts that they have and coming together as a group to do something she loves. So anything she can consume, she can sell and to give her the process of understanding slowly so that when she if she decides to go to college, she understands. You see, where we're at right now is they teach our kids they, they, this. And this is not, and by the way, this is not a conspiracy, the lack of financial intelligence in our schools. We are living off the old system where, uh, where we were taught 
how to become a good employee or go to shop because we were in world wars and we needed to be industrial. But so they don't teach us that. But then at 16, 17 years old, you can acquire $700,000 worth of student debt and you won't pay up to your 50 years old for an education you're not even sure you want to have. By the way, you can go and get finance, right? You can get accounting. But I just took a $700,000 loan and now you're teaching me finance? Mm-hmm. So that's like putting somebody in the Navy saying, get on the ship and we'll teach you how to swim once you're at war in the middle of the ocean. And, mm-hmm. and so this is my journey because I invite anybody and everybody to highlight on my platform any kind of financial intelligence or anything you want that the teachers could put in a soluble system where I want to start seeing schools in whether Atlanta, Detroit, or Chicago go, we are seeing better performance. Why aren't you doing it in Texas? Why aren't you doing it in California? I want to make this the in thing because once I crack this, it's going to go. And this is what I want to go to the grave with. I want my little girl to say, my father was the one who changed the cycle in this country and got people to realize that we need to do this at an earlier age for our children because he was in their living room like Mr. Rogers because now our kids don't have any national heroes. They only have a, thousands of family on YouTube showing kids how to unbox a toy instead of create what's in the box. The reason you're here, of course, is little Damon loves to, uh, learns to earn, excuse me, Man, I got to get that book to you. You got four-year-old twins? Yeah, 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 four-year-old twins. There you go. (laughs) Last question for you. Last question for you. Every book changes the author. Uh, Talk about how your children's book has affected you and the impact you've seen. And how did writing Little Damon Learns to Earn change you? It changed my life. You know, I have a 29-year-old and a 24-year-old daughters. I thought I taught them financial intelligence, but they don't have it. My way of doing that was, hey, baby, you want to you wanna buy a car? Well, you know, you, 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 you make half it. I'll match it. You know what I taught her? I taught her how to work hard. Now I have a five-year-old, six-year-old. I wouldn't have related to this unless my little girl, you know, I need to start processing information. Now, if, if, if this business fails that I have right here, I don't know if I'm going to do it next year. I'm never going to stop giving my little baby what I want her to learn when she's six, when she's seven, when she's eight. She's not, I started to connect with her. And I'm just sharing with all the other parents on how to connect because I don't want my, you, you have boys or girls? One boy, one girl. All right. I don't want my daughter thinking that she's going to have, I, I read too many Prince's Pony books. I don't want my daughter thinking that she needs to wait for some prince to find her, uh, her, her, what, her slipper or throw down your hair. I don't want her doing that. I don't want your little boy to think that he's going to have webs coming out of his wrist or flying. I want your little boy to be the Avengers and say, no, no. I know the Avengers get together to fight evil. No, my Avengers, you can sing, you can dance, I can do this. And you know what? Let's get together and have fun and bring joy to people. You know what? We may make some gummy bears off of that. Uh, so this cha- this book has changed my life, man. Um, and I wear the hat. You know why I wear the hat? Because we all want to be kids. And you know what? Uh, your little Your little son and daughter... And two, three years old, they see me wearing this hat. They don't care. They don't care when I'm on Shark Tank like this in a $10,000 Tom Ford suit. Mm-hmm. When I wear this, I'm going to teach them some magic. And if I'm going to have you, you think I, by the way, all the parents who think I look stupid here, remember when you liked Willy Wonka? Remember when oh, you yeah, liked Willy Wonka? So, man, nah, don't play yourself. You don't look don't play yourself. You know what you look like? You're like a dad. You're like a dad who cares about his child. And if I'm going to wear this hat, I'm going to wear this for your kids, my kids, and if you think I like to do it, that's your problem. I'm going to do anything for our children, 
this is my life goal, man. Man, I, I love, we're going to end on that note. None other than Mr. Damon John, who has come on the Bakari Sellers podcast. I've admired you for a long time, and this has been enriching. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, and thank you for what you do. I am a fan. Thank you. you.